Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segretto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever passion lights that pilot life under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire. From a single to a multi-unit empire. Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear. It's streaming in HD. So fine tune both your ears. And standing Paul lays down the law. Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor. It's all about sustainable growth. The sensible franchising. Proving concepts to start enterprises. So use your left and right side of your brain. And absorb this knowledge here of franchising today. Franchising today, sustainable growth, sustainable franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, sustainable franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchising today. Hello, everyone in the franchise world. My name is Paul Segreto, and this is Franchise Today. Another great day as we're eking in, working our way towards summer, Houston, Texas, 99 degrees and high humidity. And, of course, my co-host, Stan Friedman, uh, back in hot Atlanta after IFA board meetings. Stan, how are you today? Doing great, Paul, except that you've got me worried that you're not getting my texts. So no, the audience not. may not know this. <laughs> you in Houston, me in Atlanta, the only way we talk backstage and not step all over each other every week is because we're texting who's going next. Um, I tested it on my end, Paul, and it's solid, so I think the problem's on yours. And uh, with that said, we'll just kind of muddle through and figure it out, right? Yep, trying to. And I saw you had a, a guest circling around outside your room in South Carolina. Well, I'll tell you what. We, and, and I thought that was impressive, but um, I saw pictures from others at the resort who had far more precocious alligators than the one I was showing you in, in my photo. Uh, there were some six and seven footers just walking right up to the fire pit outside the back door of the, of the resort. Uh, wow. I mean, yeah, those guys are way too tame. And, and I don't think you want to try to run from those, even if you zigzag, um, they were pretty big, beautiful property. Paul, yeah, and, what a beautiful you, you place. Might, and you might not have, you might not have heard because you were kind of at the board meetings, but the last two days all over the news have been two people, you know, walking their dogs in different parts of the country that evidently had been attacked and killed by alligators. So you're, you're absolutely right. Stay inside. Yeah. It's yeah, not a, not a good thing to see when they're coming up that close to, you know, where your habits, where you're habitating and, uh, yeah, I expect to see him in the water, and that was the photo I shot. I opened up the curtain in my room, and I just saw this gator, like, right right there in the water, and in the lagoon, just outside my second floor room, happy to say. But, you know, then to see them starting to come up on, on the ground and on the land and getting so close, um, that was a mm-hmm. little bit unnerving. 
when you're walking back at yeah, night, I guess it's really unnerving. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I guess it's time for a uh, an alligator removal franchise. I don't think we have one of those as of yet. But yeah, well, anyway, you may just you may have just given birth to one. Give somebody the idea. Yeah, there you go. Animal removal and luggage. <laughs> there it is. That was okay. a great summer so, board meeting. Paul, it was a, a terrific meeting. Um, I really felt very, very good about how this meeting rolled out for us and what IFA uh, presented for us to work through and, and to noodle through as um, combined the supplier board and the IFA actual board of directors had a joint session yesterday. Um, and that joint session brought to us an incredible speaker, somebody that uh, President and CEO Robert Crisante has known for years from, I guess, their days back in the, in the Commerce Department, who, gentleman who is now a lobbyist and, um, and an incredibly talented speaker, Bruce Melman of the firm Melman Castagnetti. Paul, you might have to help me with that one. Melman Castagnetti, Rosen, and Thomas. And, um, and what he presented to us was the age that we are living in, the age of disruption in politics and gave us a lot of food for thought. IFA put out a very easy to digest menu and they actually formatted it like a menu of all the issues that are before the 116th Congress coming up that impact franchising and made it very easy for us to, to get our heads around what it is we're up against. And then this presentation that was given to us, um, helped us understand as Mr. Melman rolled out all the disruption that's been going on in our lives and how we've got to where we are, how we've landed where we are and how disruption is not going to go away anytime soon. And that the best way for IFA to make its case and continue to navigate the waters of franchising to the benefit of, of the association is to consider what, it, what is it IFA is good at? What is it IFA stands for? And how to get our message in a disruptive fashion out there. We've tried boxing and it didn't work. We've tried jujitsu. It hasn't worked. And so now maybe it's just a tweak of our message. And some incredible think tanking was done. And I'll tell you, keep an eye on Daryl Johnson because he, I was part of a, a work group that we broke into threes. And Daryl put something out there that got my head spinning with the things that he was suggesting we do and how we can do them. And, and, um, and I think there's going to be an, an incredible amount of good good coming out of 2018 into 19 with the, the direction that we take as an association to continue to push back and be sure that we help both sides of the aisle understand what we stand for. And that was a lot of what Mr. Mr. Melman was helping us work through is uh, make the assumption, don't, don't know that it will or won't happen, but making the assumption that the House could flip, what would we do? to help a democratically controlled house understand who we are and, and what we're about. And if committee friends that we've made or committee chairs that we've made over the last few years lose their seats and they're replaced by Democrats, what story are we going to tell to help them understand what IFA does? And so this is the exercise in communication and trying to do it disruptively. And I, I was very impressed that we were on a track that, that we can uh, dig our feet into and actually make a difference. And I think we're heading in the right direction. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, that's really good. What else? Anything else that you have to report on the front of the house? 
Uh, just one other thing that I saw is out is the 2018 Best and Worst, the uh, Forbes magazine presentation of the 60 brands across the country. That, again, uh, speaking of Daryl Johnson, Fran Data is a participant in creating these rankings. Franchise industry research firm Fran Data kicked off its analysis with a list of 3,300 active brands, and from that compiled data spanning 2012 through 16, and narrowed down uh, the research to the selection of the 60 brands that demonstrate the best chance for satisfactory longevity, activity, and scale. And they then broke them into different uh, investment ranges. I'll just quickly share with you that in the high investment range, um, interestingly enough, that two, the top two are both in the same market segment. It was Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers um, was number one, Culver's number two, and then down three through ten were Planet Fitness, Firehouse, Subs, Steak and Shake, Hyatt Place, Hotels, Panera Bread, Primrose Schools, Zaxby's, and Massage. Envy, congratulations to the top ten in the high investment category. In the medium investment category, our good friend Sport Clips, number one, followed by the School of Rock, Nothing Bunt Cakes, Pure Bar, Marco's Pizza, Batteries Plus Bulbs, Jimmy John's, Jimmy John's, Tropical Smoothie Cafe, and Domino's Pizza. And then to round it out in the low investment category, which is under $150,000, first place was Right at Home, followed by Soccer Shots, Mathnasium, Painting with a Twist, Mosquito Squad, Made Pro, Bright Star, Express Employment, Professionals, Molly Made, and First Light Home Care. Congratulations to the top ten in all three categories, and um, I'll leave the the worst of uh, to those interested to find them. Um, I'll leave you to research those for yourself. We're only we're only about good news here. Yep, absolutely good news. Uh, unless of course you're a fan of In and Out Burger, and In and Out Burger throughout Texas today, all 30 locations are closed because Stan they're having a bun issue. Evidently, they were looking at quality control and the buns were not up to standard. So they shut down for 24 hours while they bring in some buns from the West Coast. How about that? Yeah. I mean, if, it, you know, if I were somebody, say, like um, Ron Feldman, who lives and breathes for In-N-Out when he's out West, and I was on a one-day trip looking forward to um, my palate-pleasing In-N-Out visit, and I was not able to do that, I'd probably be pretty mad. I'd take it without the bun. Yep. But... As the article said, in and out take special note of the squishiness of their mm. buns, and the buns in Texas <laughs> are just not squishy enough. I think that goes to say that the buns are very firm in Texas, and we'll get off that topic. And, <laughs> you know, we talk about <laughs> different businesses uh, overall of our time in, uh, in franchise today and how they started. And uh, the business we're going to be talking about today with our guest, it all started with a Dalmatian. That's right, the spotted dog that usually you find on top of a fire engine. And Rob Flanagan, the president of Wagon Wash, who's our guest today, has been quoted as saying, starting a business is a big achievement for many entrepreneurs, but maintaining one is the larger challenge. Rob, welcome to Franchise Today. Hello, gentlemen. I got to say, I've just trademarked 
my new company, Alligators and Suitcases. So. <laughs> it, it all happened right here. <laughs> it all happened right here. I'm looking yep. for some board members, and uh, I think it's going to be successful. Hey, Paul. I, well, I think there's something. been plenty of times we've been, we've been bored, so uh, I guess we qualify. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, before you before you bring Rob into the conversation, I just got to throw something out here. Um, you know, I tell people very often with, when they don't know me and I get introduced to someone and I ask them to go to my LinkedIn profile, and I said, you're going to meet one of the most random people you'll ever meet when you get to my LinkedIn profile because you're going to find all this franchising stuff and you're going to find things that I do with pro athletes and, and, and you're going to find chairman of the National Buffalo Wing Hall of Flame. Well, Today, I think I met my match. I think because I went to Rob's LinkedIn page and I found president of Wagon Wash and connoisseur of eggnog. Now, somewhere along the conversation, (laughs) we're going to have to unpack that. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I I think when I was creating that page, you know, somebody had told me I needed to put something in there as a unique identifier. And I figured. Connoisseur of eggnog is pretty unique. <laughs> yeah, I don't okay. think I've ever seen that. <laughs> <laughs> the curse well, of Rob, we really appreciate you, you being with us today. And as we ask all our guests, and we'll ask you, you know, franchising, you know, seems to find us. We never start out, you know, at a young age, thinking about school, thinking about the next steps, and say, you know, I think I'll get involved in franchising. It usually finds us. So if you would, wind back the clock, take us back as far as you'd like, and then fast forward us into, you know, your entry into franchising and, uh, and into, you know, where you are today. And take all the time as you'd like, but you have less than 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love how you guys start out with that because you're absolutely right. Like, I've, I haven't met anybody in franchising that hasn't fallen into it to some degree, and you know, I always have this image of a eight-year-old in third grade. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And somebody says fireman, somebody says astronaut, and then there's, there's some young individual looking up at the stars saying, I dream of franchising. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I fall in that category. Like, I, I completely fell into it. Um, I was in grad school in Boulder, Colorado uh, for psychology. I, I wanted to be a therapist. And I was putting myself through school, and I, I just randomly picked a teacher. I, I remember kind of sitting in the hallway and just, you know, using the alphabet, and I picked a teacher named Diane Israel. And her and I hit it off, and I needed a part-time job. And I, I went to her and asked if she knew anybody. And she said, well, my brother, Rob Israel, is opening up a popcorn store, and he needs somebody to help run his popcorn store. I was like, popcorn? Okay, sure, whatever. I just, I just need a job. And Rob Israel, founder of Popcorn, uh, him and I hit it off. I started out at minimum wage, his first hire, and, you know, really helped grow Dot Popcorn with him and his wife, Renee Israel. And I, I graduated uh, from, from grad school, and I had this, I want to call it a crisis, but this existential moment where I realized that I hated being a therapist. I, I, I didn't like sitting in a room. I didn't like hearing people's problems. 
And so I, I decided to stick with that popcorn. Really glad I did because about a year later, we partnered with uh, Franchise Sherpas, which was a, a franchise mm-hmm. incubator that Michael Hayes had created. Uh, a lot of people would know his name. Uh, at the time, he was with Maui Wowie. He's now a CEO of uh, Teriyaki Madness. Great, great guy. And, you know, the dot popcorn concept is really launched into franchising. And I learned franchising from the ground up. I, I started, you know, just as a field rep, you know, opening stores, uh, grew into director of operations. And, you know, we, uh, I think, and then I think it was 2014, we sold to Dip and Dot, promoted to overseeing all of dot popcorn underneath the Dip and Dot's umbrella. Uh, we had about, I, I want to say, 118, 119 locations. Uh, we were in four different countries, Japan, Mexico, Chile, Oman. And, it, you know, you want a surreal existential moment, you know, open up a popcorn company in, in Oman. And it, it was great. It was a great gig. I learned so much about franchising. Um, but, you know, I was kind of recognizing that my heart really lived with emerging brands. And about a year and a half ago, uh, Dan Remus, Jeff Strauss, uh, founders of Wagon Wash, they were interested in taking Wagon Wash to that next level. And just kind of through franchising networks and contacts, uh, we got in touch. Uh, we were really aligned on our philosophies of, of franchising uh, and specifically business. My wife at the time was eight and a half months pregnant. And uh, I remember they gave me the job offer, and I, I went to her, and I just said, this is just an amazing opportunity. I, I know we have a baby on the way. Uh, this can be, you know, some definitely some changes. She was so supportive, and, uh, you know, I accepted the position and haven't looked back the past year and a half. Wow, that's awesome. So I, I think it's fair to say that dots are a big part of your career because you went from dipping dots to a brand that started with a Dalmatian, which, as we know, is hmm. full of dots. What do you think, Stan? I think, I think it's a stretch, Paul, but it's not a bad one, but it's a stretch. <laughs> it's a stretch connecting the dots. No oh, there you go. <laughs> now we, we got the trifecta. Now, Stan, go ahead oh. and, and hey, we got the trifecta. And, <laughs> and, and dot the eyes. <laughs> That's right. Oh, so um, you talk about Michael Hayes. That Michael and I have been... We have been IFA uh, friends for probably better than 20 years. Uh, I've tracked Michael's career, and he's mine, and, and it's, it's been great knowing him and all the things that he's done and lived through in franchising. Um, so you've come from a place where there's a wealth of experience, and you're bringing that now to a world that is one of my favorite places because dogs are my favorite people. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that, you guys are doing that kind of stand apart from this competitive set when it comes to dealing with canines and and mixing it all up between food, you know, clean washing, cleaning, and vacationing and having fun. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's kind of like a, the, one of the big questions that ever comes up. Uh, you know, what makes wagon wash different? And, you know, we, we kind of look at that from two different lenses. Um, from the consumer perspective, so we, we call our customers guests. And, you know, what we've really done is created this experience 
you know, within our, our retail stores. So what, what can often be this chore of cleaning your companion, uh, we call pets companions, um, and their owners are called guardians, um, you know, becomes this family trip fun event. And so you, you walk into one of our stores, and what you're first hit with is our in-house bakery. So we bake all of our deli items and our treats in-house. Uh, they haven't been sitting in some warehouse, and who knows where they were made. Uh, they were baked, you know, an hour ago, two hours ago. And, you know, within our self-wash, what, what you'll typically see in the self-wash is it, it's in a back room. It's dark. It's a little dingy, dirty. And, uh, you know, if somebody leads you back there, you, you wash your dog, you leave. And at Wagon Wash, you know, it's, it's front and center in the, in, in the store. We always have a team member back there. Uh, there's no limit on how long it takes uh, to wash your companion. And, you know, we, we kind of joke that it's the, uh, the most helpful, quote, unquote, self-wash, you know, on the market. Uh, unlimited towels. We're, we're training and talking about all the different types of shampoos that we have really making sure that we're finding the right solution for your companion, um, anticipating your needs. Uh, our team members are known as pet experts. You know, we're, we're, you know, of course we're oriented towards sales, but first and foremost, we're, we're looking at solutions for your companion. So if you come in and your companion, um, you know, is having an allergic reaction or there's some kind of behavior issue, we want to understand really what's going on with your companion and then find the right solution. We're, we're not going to guide you to the one with the highest margin or the, you know, something that we're trying to move. We just want to make sure we find the right fit. And, you know, I think what our, our guests see is that our, our mission is about enhancing the lives of companion animals across the planet. And that's what they, they really start to, to experience. And, you know, I think what we're also known for from the con consumer perspective is we're, it's, it's what we call the seven star experience. And this is something that I got from the, the founder of Airbnb. So, you know, just real quick, you know, I'll just pick on you, Paul, like what's a five star experience for you if you go to a restaurant? Oh, wow. For me, um, I, yeah. just, you know, just five star, five star experience for me. Is, is definitely something that I'm passionate about, which is relationship dining. So I want to make sure it's got a, uh -huh. a very nice setting, a very nice um, uh, ambiance to the place, something that I'm not going to be uh, rushed out of. And, of course, uh, to that it lends to having service because I hate sitting around with dirty dishes on the table. So I guess an attentive <laughs> staff uh, is definitely key and, of course, you know, a 36-ounce bone-in cowboy cut ribeye would add to the experience. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So then if it was possible, and you know, everything's based on five-star, but you, you start thinking, like, well, what would a seven-star experience look like? And then what would a nine-star experience and a 12-star? And you can get really far out there, you know. So, you know, for me, you know, a 12-star experience, Elon Musk shows up at my house and, takes me to Mars where there's a wagon wash, you know, you, you can have a little bit of fun with it. But what it does is as you go really far out there, you, you come back to, well, what would a seven star experience look like? And we, we do that in our training with our franchisees. We do that with our team and our, our guests recognize that. So 
we we don't like to ask like oh do you if you have any questions let us know we we want to anticipate those questions we don't ask hey can i bring that heavy bag of dog food out to your car we automatically grab it and walk out and if the guest doesn't want us to they'll let us know but a lot of times they appreciate that extra gesture so you know i i think that's kind of what sets us apart from the consumer side you know, on the franchise side, you know, save save the save the fran no save the franchise side for a few oh, more minutes save. because okay, we're going to come back I'll when we're not that. done with the consumer side yet. We'll come back for okay. the franchise side. I wanted to know whether that seven star experience comes with a seven star price tag. Are you competitively priced with your competitive set to provide that extra level of service or? Or do the extra stars come with a a value that you pay for it? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, what we're we're, if you take a look at us compared to anybody in the market, whether it's franchising or not, we're, we're always competitive, competitively priced. Um, And, you know, really what it comes down to, to uh, that seven star experience and having the team members that are oriented that way is it's, it's, it comes down to training and it comes down to culture, and it comes down to people wanting to be part of a company that's focused on something a little bit bigger than just, you know, making the sale. Um, so everything within our business model is is accurately priced. We're not priced out of the market in any capacity. Um, no, we're not the cheapest self-wash, but we're not so outrageously priced heavier than that that we're, we've ever come across any sort of challenges with pricing. And I'll just share some stats with the with the audience because I find this to be very similar to the home care space in that a lot of people think, God, there are so many of them. How how can they all survive? But in pet care, which is also a pretty crowded space these days, and it's and by by right it should be because sixty five percent of US households, eighty five million people own pets, and the number of pets has grown. 312 million nationwide, nearly 80% of those people viewing their pets as beloved members of the family. And those numbers are staggering, and they, and they become more staggering when you assign dollar values to them. Over $66 billion in 2016 was spent on pet industry expenditures, and it's expected to reach $96, million, $96 billion in sales um, by 2020. So the market space is huge. And I guess the question I asked about the seven stars, um, within your competitive set, you've got plenty of room to stand apart from others without having to beat the price, beat them to death with price because there is such volume, there is such demand for what you do. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I think when the founders, Dan Remus, Jeff Strauss, uh, it was 1999, I think the, industry, the pet industry was $17 billion. And yeah, you're right. It's uh, I think it's, it was 66, 2016, expected to be 70 billion this year. Um, and, you know, they were kind of on the forefront of this shift in perception. Um, you know, for me growing up, like our, our dog was on a chain in the backyard. That was very normal for where we lived. And now that would almost be seen as, you know, mistreating a companion and that they're really seen as, as part of the family now. And that's, yeah. That, that's the organization of Wagon Wash. Well, we're yeah, going to come back absolutely. in just a few minutes, in a few minutes, and talk about the franchise side of the show. But before we do that, Paul's going to help us pay some dues, right? 
Yep, <laughs> absolutely. I was just thinking of that, that five-star experience I had in, in New York at Katz's Deli that I believe would have been seven stars then <laughs> had you been there. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm Paul Segreto, along with my co-host Stan Friedman. And although we are not yet in the dog days of summer, we are connecting the dots with Rob Flanagan, president at Wagon Wash. Franchise Today is brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and perspective, as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified, too. With FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees replacing old-style virtual brochures, no long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. Franchise Today is also brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where they've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach that delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as for their franchisees. The Franchise Foundry team is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and, of course, franchisee recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can also assist you with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and provide guidance that's needed to navigate them. Learn more about the Franchise Foundry along with their expanding list of clients at www.franchisefoundry.com. Now we can get into franchising and talk a little bit more about the business side of your business and um, understand what's going on in that part of the world, Rob, in that I see that you guys, you know, I know you've only been with the company for a few years, but um, franchising since about when, 2002? Yeah, so uh, we have um, what we call very, very affectionately our old yeller uh, franchisees, uh, Catherine Davies, Highlands Ranch, and then uh, Rich and Steve Strauss down in Phoenix. And they were the our first franchisees. Um, you know, and I, I wouldn't say it was a focus for the founders at that time. Uh, you know, Catherine was a, a customer, a guest uh, of one of our corporate locations, but then in 2013, uh, Dan and Jeff really wanted to grow, you know, through the franchising business model. And that was driven, you know, really just from the joy that the, the business had, had created for them in their lives, uh, not only by enhancing the life of companion animals, but just the joy of manifesting their own destiny, um, owning their own business. And so in 2013, they partnered with uh, Raintree. Uh, it's a, and we're still with them. They, it's uh, franchise sales. 
And that, that's when they really got behind franchising uh, in 2013. So still connected then with Michael Haith, because that's an, that Raintree is another Michael of Michael's companies, is it not? Yeah, I, I can't get away from a guy, you know? It's, so, hell, uh, you know, there might be a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's correct. So talk about some of the different ways you offer franchises, help the audience understand whether this is a single unit owner operator concept or are you in search of area development or multi-unit, multi-flagged, what kind of offerings are you guys making? Yeah, we're, it's both, you know, so we're, most of our current franchisees are, are single unit operators. We, we do have one franchisee in the Queen Anne Seattle area has a right to open up three locations and yeah, we're we're very much interested in, in both of those models. Uh, what what we do is is just to make sure that it's the right fit. Um, what I I've seen happen sometimes is that a, a prospect will come in and they, you know, they they want to do the, the multi unit deal. And what our field team does and what I do is we we really work out before that decision is made is on the business plan. Uh, what kind of cash is that going to take? Uh, you know, what year with the second one? And if it's the right fit, we're very interested in a multi-unit deal. But sometimes it's uh, it's a bigger bite than what uh, a franchisee may be ready for, especially if they're new to business, uh, new to franchising. So for us, it's most important that it's the right fit. And then we kind of will work with the franchisee to, to see which, which model works best for them. So what does the day in the life of a, of a franchisee look like? What are, what are the different things that um, they're faced with every day and, and that they're responsible for on a daily basis? Yeah. So, you know, I would say, you know, you, you wake up, you, you go into your, your store and, and you get it opened and you're spending your day surrounded by companion animals coming in. And, you know, so much of what happens with, with this brand, it, it's really, you know, kind of your local neighborhood pet store. And you get to know your guests, you know, they, they become family. And we, we kind of internally joke that we, we'll know the name of the companion animal sometimes better than we'll know the name of the guest. <laughs> oh, hey, Fluffy. Yeah. And they're like, oh, is it Jeff? Dan? Um, yeah. <laughs> and. You know, you're, you're spending time interacting. Now, you're definitely spending time on, you know, just the day-to-day management of the business, uh, managing your inventory, um, placing your orders, um, you know, that sort of thing. But most of your, your time has ended up spending, you know, you know interacting with your guests. Uh, we have both a, you know, we, we, we list it as a owner-operator model, and we also uh, say it's also a semi-absentee model as well. We have some franchisees, you know, Catherine Davies, I mentioned, um, you know, she's been doing this for 10 years. She, she's an owner operator. She, she loves what she's doing. She's still in there, you know, almost every day working in the store. But then we also have other folks who are more semi absentee. Uh, they're still involved, uh, but they're not necessarily in the store every single day. Uh, they have a full-time manager on staff um, and they're, you know, uh, making sure things are running well but they're not opening the store, or closing the store every day. Sure, sure. So who's the ideal candidate? Who do you look for as a candidate, let's say, in a, in a single unit type of operation? Yeah, man, I, I love it when you guys ask that, that question because, I, 
you may have five stores, you could have 5,000 stores, you know, being able to be really specific on who's that right fit is, is so essential to, to future success. So what we do and what we're looking for, it's really driven from, you know, just some of my experience in, in franchising. And I was probably like in the first year, second year come in and one on paper looked perfect had retail experience, business acumen, cash flow looked fantastic. Ended up having a great location. But like within a year and a half, he, he kind of flamed out. And then we had this other prospect come in, no business experience. Cash was there, but not, it was a little tight. Ended up being in not a great location. And she ended up being one of the top franchisees. And for whatever reason, that difference, I was fascinated by just completely enamored with understanding why that is. And I kind of started this two, three year qualitative study, you know, really just kind of with franchisees that were under my umbrella, folks I was doing consulting with uh, other people who were in franchising and really trying to understand what are these qualities that make it the right fit. And for us, it really comes down you know, we talk about, you know, in training that there's these 10 qualities, but they're really distilled to two things. And number one is this mindset that it may not be your fault, but it's your problem. And business can be hard. Uh, economies can mm-hmm. change. Politics change. Um, a competitor can move into the market. Um, the, the government can change some kind of rule. Uh, construction can start happening near your store. And if you kind of from that mindset fall into this trap of, of being a victim, it, it can be hard to be successful. Um, but sure. if you're always solution focused, you have a much higher degree of chance of being successful. And then the, the second quality and it still falls underneath this attitude mindset is that you embrace what I call the three choices. What that means is in any situation, you, you really have three choices. You, you can work to make the situation better. You can accept the situation for what it is, or you can leave the situation. And spending a bunch of time complaining or venting and, and getting caught up in the drama, it, it's going to hold you back from, from success. And that franchisee who, while she was on paper, didn't seem like the right fit, she embraced those qualities like it was in her core. So what we do on, you know, when we're trying to find that right fit is first, we, we really, really use personality surveys. We, we use the disc personality survey or we're partnered with a gentleman named Steve Gavatora. He does a bunch of training with our team just on personality and communication styles we do that survey with a prospect before they even come in so we can understand the best way to communicate with them. And I, I think the other thing we do, uh, you know, it's, it's usually called an executive interview. We call it a, uh, an expectation chat. And ours is, it's long. It's, it's about four to five hours long. And where that comes from is, you know, I'd be working with a franchisee after they come aboard and there will always be this, that was in the franchise agreement. Um, that was in the operations manual. And, you know, you got to be honest. Like, 
the franchising relationship is it's it's the most unique relationship I've I've ever come across, and I think on the planet, it's it's essentially a ten year you know usually typically minimum ten year uh, deal, and it's a ten year marriage, and you're making this partnership with somebody where you've been face to face with them maybe two or three days, depending on how long your discovery day is. So we really spend a lot of time uh, on the discovery day and then into that uh, expectation chat, you know, really talking about expectations. And I I go through the franchise disclosure documents and I I get into some of the fine print. Uh, I talk about uh, expectations on support um, I, I talk about, you know, if your point of sale machine goes, goes down, you know, who's going to fix that? Is that us? Is that you? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your expectations on marketing? I mean, every, you know, just, I, we, we get into the weeds a little bit, but what I have found is that by having that dialogue about expectations is that when, after the agreement is signed and we're, we're starting the partnership, we're on the same page. We, we both sides, the franchisor and the franchisee, know what it takes to be successful. And so the kind of a long-winded answer to, you, to your question is we're, we're really looking at this attitude first and foremost, and we're doing everything we can to talk about expectations so that when we get into it, we're all on the same page. Can we talk about – uh, item 19 and financial performance representations. What, what kind of established, uh, what kind of established guidelines do you provide? Cause it, when you're talking about leveling the playing field between expectations and reality, um, what better than a financial performance representation to set the pace for what the expectations should look like? Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I've always, when it, when it comes to the item 19, you know, and we're, we're all kind of regulated by, you know, different policies. And, you know, I, I, I wish, you know, legally, you know, you could just give every single bit of data possible and say, here's the, the numbers that the story tells. And, but, you know, I get it. You know, we want to protect, we, we, we don't want, you know, anything to be misleading. What we do in our item 19 is we provide as much detail as we possibly can on the unit economics. So, you know, typically you'll see, you know, AUV, you'll see some growth. You know, we break that down into stores open from 18 months to two years, two to five years, and then five to 10 years. And we provide a very, very detailed uh, P&L statement uh, from the corporate locations. And uh, the corporate locations are treated just like franchisees. And, you know, and really what that's driving from, you know, especially for Wagon Wash, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not a low cost of entry franchise. So we really want to make sure that any kind of prospect can, can look at those numbers and see the, the strength of the bottom line and, and understand that relationship between the item 19 and then the item seven. I want them to be able to see the trajectory of their business. This is what it's going to look like in the beginning Here's what it's going to look like, you know, year one, year two, and then getting into being a, a veteran location. And you've got a disparity, too, in, in the size of the footprint. So um, can you talk about the differences between the revenue potential from, say, the bakery to the, to the grooming or the retail side of the business and how that menu mix looks? 
Yeah. So, you know, what, what really happens on, on the retail, uh, retail footprint, um, a lot of it's driven by what's available real estate in the area. We have some stores that are you know, over 5,000. Uh, we have a store in Redmond, Washington. Uh, I'm doing it off the top of my head. I think it's around 2,600, maybe 2,700. And, you know, what we've seen is that, you know, we can really exist in any of those, those spaces. Um, you know, if it's a bigger space, the build-out cost is going to be more. You're, you're carrying more inventory. There's more build-out costs, that sort of thing. Uh, the bakery is, is usually around 3% of, of, of the sales. But our bakery, it's not a direct correlation to that bottom line component. Uh, you know, what we talk about in terms of the bakery is that it's this part of the brand, and it's really part of the experience. And what I'll kind of reference is, you know, you go into a Nordstrom's and they have somebody playing a grand piano. Now, there's no direct correlation between somebody playing a grand piano and maybe buying another pair of pants or a shirt. But it's something that adds to the experience of shopping in that location. And that's what our bakery is doing. Um, you know, your, your companions having a birthday we're going to make a special deli birthday cake for them. Uh, all these treats are being made fresh in-house. And it's really what draws people in. It just happens to be a lower-cost item, so the percentage is going to look lower in terms of a percentage. Uh, pet food is, is typically around 40, you know, 43 to 50%, depending on the store. Uh, and then grooming and self-wash are, is the rest of the net revenue. You know, as we uh, promoted uh, today's show, it all started with a Dalmatian. Um, I referred to um, two important phrases off your website, real motivation and real dedication, uh, and certainly should be the order of business uh, as those two very very uh, important buzz phrases, so to speak, um, appear to be at the core of the brand's growth. And, of course, uh, part of that also extends into, you know, training and support. So if you could, encompassing all of what I just said, you know, tell us a little bit about how culture is um, a driving force within the organization and how that starts out with training and support. Yeah. So culture, you know, and, you know, everybody talks about culture. And everybody knows Peter Drucker's quote that culture eats strategy for breakfast or for lunch. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think, you know, you guys have, uh, I'm sure have come across this as well, is that, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies and brands out there where they have some beautiful mission statements and value statements. But, you know, I always say that culture, if, if they're just words, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's got, you got to see it in the behavior and the actions Enron had their culture chiseled into limestone in their lobby, and we all know what happened with Enron. And so when I ever am talking to somebody and it's about culture, you know, I, I say go into the store. Find, find the, the team member that was last hired, maybe six months ago, maybe six hours ago, and ask them what the mission and the, the why of that business. And if that team member who was just hired can answer that question, then the company probably has a really strong culture. And then so for me at Wagon Wash, what happened 
was like, I got hired. I, I read everything just like you guys did on the, on the website. I read the manuals, but you know, I'm looking, you know, like, is this really happening? And on my third day of training, I'm at our Littleton store with a manager named Mike Basic. He's been at the store for, I want to say, you know, eight to nine years. And a guest walks in, and Mike says, oh, hey, Jeff, like, so good to see you again. I, I wasn't expecting to see you. And the reason he wasn't expecting to see him is that he knew that Jeff's companion had just passed away, wasn't expecting him to come in. And Jeff says, yeah, you know, today would have been his ninth birthday. So I'm going to his nine favorite places, and Wagon Wash was his favorite, so I saved it for last. Then Mike, no, it was a busy day in the store. He's training me, which is no easy task, and stops everything he's doing and spends the next 30 minutes with this guest, Jeff. And they're just reliving memories of the past nine years of, of Jeff coming in. And at the very end, I have a picture of Jeff. He's taking a picture of the store cat because his companion would always chase the store cats around the store. <laughs> and I, you know, I share the story at every training. Jeff's a little teary eyed. Mike and I are, are basically bawling. I mean, we, we could have cured the drought in California and, and, you know, and Jeff walks away. And I, I turned to Mike and I, and I, to say, Mike, that's extraordinary. I, I've been in this business for, for 30 years. I, I don't think I've ever seen something like that. And Mike just turns to me and says, you know, that that happens pretty free, frequently here. And kind of when I knew that I landed in the right place, and I, I, I kind of glance up, and I see a picture of Jenny that we had just talked about. Jenny is the the companion of Dan Remus and Jeff Strauss that guided them to creating this business. And she's, her picture is in every store. And I, and I just see, you know, again, no pun intended. I see the dots get connected that Jenny, which is what drove Dan Remus and Jeff Strauss to found this business is still alive close to 20 years later. And, you know, while we have this experience in the store, that's where really when I started to kind of get that we're part of your family. We're part of our guests, families oriented around the companion animals. So, you know, how we get that culture, you know, you know, into franchising into our team members is that it is first and foremost, everything that we talk about and we address, um, you know, through every part of our training, um, I lead something called a WAG chat. It's a, we do it every six weeks. It's a webinar with all our franchisees. We talk about our culture. Um, we ask for stories from our franchisees about these type of stories. We encourage them to share that on social media. Um, and, and then we're also looking, when we're doing any of our site visits, to make sure that this culture is alive because it's, it's the foundation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what everything that we do is driving from that, that perspective. Well, Rob, with Raintree as part of your family now, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that growth is part of the picture. So in the time left, let's tell the audience uh, a little bit more about where you're looking to grow and who 
they can reach out to to learn more about your concept, any shows or expos that you may be attending and places that you can be found. And um, we'll leave the audience with the ability to circle back and find you again. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I tell anybody when they're, they're interested in the concept is, you know, go to our website. Um, you know, top right says franchise, click on that. And that has all the different information that you need. Very easy to fill out this form and, and, and you become part of the discovery process. Uh, in terms of trade shows, you know, we were just in Houston. Uh, we were at the, uh, the SCC trade show there. Um, next time we're down there, Paul, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I reach out and we can, absolutely we can chat. We were just there. Uh, we'll be in, <laughs> you know, this, this was a fun trade show to tell the wife I had to go to. Uh, we'll be in Cancun, uh, in two weeks, <laughs> uh, for another trade show. Uh, you know, that's, that's a hard one to go to. Uh, we're at another one here in Denver in October. And, you know, those are, those are all, uh, prospect facing, and so they're, they're a great opportunity for, for anybody who's interested in Wagon Wash. Uh, I'm always there. Dan Remus and Jeff Strauss are there. And, you know, we're there to talk about the brand. Um, and it, if you happen not to be in those areas, uh, but, yeah, going to the website is kind of really the, the best place to, to start learning about who we are, what we're doing, and what we're focusing on this year. And footprint-wise, are you going to be growing this regionally or your – Sounds like a little bit of international mixed in there as well, but where's your focus points for concentration? Where are you developing and looking to develop over the next one to three years? And um, what are you planning to hit in terms of projections from units open and operating today versus one to three out? Yeah, we have some like what we call hot markets that we're focused on. Uh, Portland, Seattle, Phoenix, Houston, Atlanta, uh, Charlotte, the Raleigh area. Uh, Washington, D.C., um, and then up towards uh, Boston. And those, those are kind of the, the areas that we're focused on. Um, and really those areas are just, you know, really are showing a lot of strength and, and growth in the pet industry. Uh, but that being said, if, you know, if there's a, the right fit and the right location in the area outside of those markets, we're, of course, interested in those as well. Um, and then what was the, the second part of the question in terms of the footprint? Yeah, well, no, just how large, how many units you're looking to add to the, oh, to the how many flags are going to yeah, fly so between now and one to three out? Yeah, so we're at uh, 17 locations right now. We'll be at 19, I think, in the next month or two. We have a store opening in Broomfield, Colorado, uh, end of July, and then one in Lakeville, uh, Minnesota, right outside of Minneapolis, uh, probably October. And then what we're on track for is we're looking to get to 30 locations, you know, within the next couple of years. And, you know, again, growth is, is paramount to any brand. Uh, it helps existing locations grow their net sales and their EBITDA. Um, uh, but, you know, for us, and most importantly, it's always about that right fit. Um, you know, pretty fortunate with Dan and Jeff. Uh, they're, they're very motivated by growth but they've been very clear from the very beginning. They're, they're not interested in growth just to have a growth number out there. Uh, it's got to be 30, but it's got to be the right fit. And if it ended up being 23, but that's three people and that's the right fit, that's what they're, that's what they're motivated by. Well, it's the right stuff. It's what we always continuously talk about here, which is sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Rob, I want to thank you for joining us today, sharing with the audience 
Um, it's not only been informative, but we've had a, a little bit of fun as well. Thanks so much for joining we had, Paul we had, we had today. Fun. I, I look forward to seeing you guys at uh, all the many different uh, trade shows and franchising things. And, you know, just real quick, I, I just want to say thank you to you both. Uh, I, I've actually, I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I've been listening to your podcast for a really long time. It's always been one of the goals of mine to, to chat with you, to, with you gentlemen. And oh, your great. podcast was really, really helpful. You know, especially when I first got into franchising, it, it's a great resource. I, I I think it's kind of clear in the way I talk about it. I, I love franchising. I, I just think it's this amazing business model. And you guys are just doing great work getting the word out to the public. And you're making franchising better. And just thank you guys for, for taking the time to do that. Well, thank you for sharing uh, that checks that. in the mail. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm gonna get back absolutely. to my, my new concept, alligator and suitcase. So I'll uh, yeah, be on the lookout for it. Yeah. <laughs> save us, save us each a board seat, okay? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, yeah, there's plenty open. At Thanks, Rob. Don't appreciate worry. it. <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah, take care. Bye. Well, Stan, I mean that was uh, that was really neat. Really, thank you, Rob, for those uh, very, very kind words. It's kind of what Stan and I, you know, look forward to uh, every week as we give back to franchising, just one of the ways of giving back. But, of course, it's always nice to uh, uh, have somebody uh, sing that praise. Every once in a while, it's very nice. Well, it feels good. And uh, you know what? I don't know that there's an hour in the week that I enjoy more than what we do here, Paul. So um, it cuts both ways. Yeah, a- absolutely. So I have one takeaway, Stan. What do you call, what's another way to refer to washing a Dalmatian? Dip and done. Hmm. I was, was going to say spot, spot removal. You know, I, spot removal. I, had a, I had a memory here during this hour that my very first dog was a Dalmatian. And, uh, man, they were crazy. Those dogs are fired up with energy. His name was Wagadog, Wag, W-A-G, uh, but his name wow. on his papers was Wagner's Domino. So right back to the beginning with the end in mind, I guess we can end with the beginning in mind. We're still dotting <laughs> along as we go here talking about dots. dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and uh, and creating a domino effect along the way. Okay. My name is Paul. It's a good, thing we're, about, it's a good thing we're about out of time, Paul. <laughs> Uh, this My was fun. Listen, wishing you what? <laughs> we did all this without the ability to even communicate. So I mean, that was even. More I fun. know that. I know that. That was really good. <laughs> My name is Paul Segreto. Wishing you the best, the very best, in this great, great thing called franchising. And franchise today is out. Take it home. <laughs> franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segreto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever the passion life that pilot life under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire. From a single to a multi-unit empire. Well, pay attention.
attention to this podcast that you hear. It's streaming in HD, so fine tune both of your ears. It's standing Paul lays down the law. Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor, it's all about sustainable growth, the sensible franchising, proving concepts to start enterprises. So use your left and right side of your brain and absorb this knowledge here of franchising today. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchise today. Yeah. 